baseball show it is tuesday february 15th and i'm joined with arm laden and ethan badowski we have a couple things to go over before we play general manager with the miami marlins and i have two perfect people to do with arm comes from locked on marlins he's always been a marlins miami guy and of course ethan badowski writes for just baseball.com covering the marlins what's up boys post super bowl i am not feeling great I just came back from Vegas, as you could probably hear it in my voice, but my Rams won the freaking Super Bowl. How are you guys doing? There you go. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, not, not, I mean, better and worse than you, right? Like, we're about to talk about the team that we grew up watching that has not won a World Series since our brains really can remember anything, which is, you know, two, like my memory starts at 2005 and on. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you just got a Super Bowl. Our our football team that we grew up being a fan of is also in shambles. Uh, it, it's bad across the board, except for basketball. So I was going to ask you, have you ever seen two Marlins fans in the same place? <laughs> it's very rare. It's very rare because, I mean, like generally how many Marlins fans are there? But Ethan, how are you, brother? It's Valentine's I'm doing good, man. It's Valentine's Day. We're recording yeah. on Valentine's Day to post tomorrow. Ethan's got a Valentine's yeah. dinner after. Jack McMullen is not here. He's talking, you know, with his beautiful girlfriend while Arm and I, you know, we're talking Marlins. And, and that's that's our right. vibe. Beautiful co-hosts. Right. Meeting up for dinner afterwards, you two going taking out to each other out to a romantic dinner. No, I had to make sure to get the pod in. And then Valentine's Day come after the pod. We all know how the priorities lie. But uh, no, I thought the game was really good last night. I really haven't been able to stop thinking about Aaron Donald making that final play, sealing the deal, just how poetic the whole thing was. Uh, the Rams are a really lovable champion. It's the first year in a while I've actually enjoyed a Super Bowl because Brady wasn't in it. And uh, I could just kind of sit back and relax and enjoy. But um, I'm itching now that football's over. I'm really itching for some baseball. I'm really... This morning, I like thought about baseball and I was like, wow, I need any kind of fixing I can get. So was really happy when he sent me a text today to come on and and talk some talk some ball. So and I wish we could have the classic it's baseball season as soon as the Super Bowl ends. But of course, we are still in a lockout. But we I feel like at just baseball. We kind of pretend it's not happening and we just still go through our predictions because we don't care. We know a season's going to happen. What are you guys feeling right now when it comes to the lockout? Do you? Arm, do you think that we're going to start April 1st opening day? Like if I gave you a line over under 161 and a half games played this year, are you taking the over or the under? Over. I, I, I'm still like, I'm, I'm the optimist here. Uh, I, I, and I think, you know, people, people might laugh sometimes with how optimistic I've been about it, but I, even like with those move Saturday, I, I think each side is, is incrementally starting to to get closer to where they need to be. And it's just a matter of timing. I think we're going to see spring training delayed, but I don't think the season will be impacted. Like they're, they're going to get to where they need to go. And as the, the closer we get to it, the more we'll see both sides give. Uh, I think we'll see the players give the most we've seen so far on the next, uh, you know, return offer from them. 
Ethan, what do you think over under 161 and a half? Yeah. You know, I, a few weeks ago, like a, I was talking to a buddy of mine and I said, you know, I think that the worst case scenario was that they play 150 games and maybe I'm a bit skeptical, but um, I'm starting to think that might be best case scenario at this point. Mm. Um, I understand that um, all they would really have to do is kind of cut spring training down, but I'm not sure how happy the league is going to be about that. I mean, I think spring training can be cut down anyway, um, but I, I don't know. I really like there's the, you know, these talks are moving really slowly and I feel like eventually maybe they'll hit a point where things kind of speed up. Um, but I definitely think we're in for at least a spring training delay. Um, I mean, you know, that, that seems to be where we're headed. I mean, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report this week, I think. Uh, and you know, here we are obviously. So um, I, you know, I wish that I felt better about it uh, because I would love to be down in Jupiter, um, you know, hanging out with with my reporter friends and with Jazz Chisholm and the guys. But um, unfortunately, you know, I, I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to head down there because, uh, you know, they're they're the owners are taking their sweet time. That's for sure. And they are the ones that are, you know, it's them doing it and they're taking their sweet old time. So I'm pretty fed up. But we're going to play baseball. You know, I, I mean, pe- some people are like, oh, we're not going to have a season at all. We'll play There's baseball and we'll play baseball, play baseball before, before the all-star break for sure. Like, you know, it, if anything, I think it'll kind of leak into April, but I, I think that's the worst I, case. I would take the over 161 and a half. I do think that we're going to play all 162. I feel like, you know, with the COVID shortened season, the amount of money that was lost, they're just going to lose out on so much money and just fan engagement. Cause if we mm-hmm. actually don't play all 162. It's going to be horrific for the league. Yeah. Really but, bad look, really yeah, bad. Look. And I'm, yeah. I'm also wondering if this might, because you know, you guys know there have been talks for years and years and years about shortening the season, maybe to 144 games, possibly 150 games. I'm curious, Aram, do you think that if we, let's say we do only play 150 games, do you think it could possibly set some sort of precedent moving forward that says, Hey, maybe the season should be shortened a little bit. You know, it's funny. We saw, we saw MLB use the COVID situation to cut the draft down. Cause that was something MLB always wanted and it was an opportunity to cut it to five. And now we're back to, to 20 and we haven't really bumped up from 20. So I could see in a situation where if the season was cut short, that it could open the floodgates a little bit. Um, and I think that's another reason why the players are going to have a little bit more urgency here to just get to 162. Cause I still think they prefer you know, the 162 is crazy as that sounds. It's more money for them. So um, I, I think we'll, we'll have it happen. But yeah, if we see the season cut down, I think there's there's a scenario where, you know, they'll say, hey, why don't this worked out fine? Like, why don't, why don't we try this again and just expand the playoffs instead? Um, which, you know, I, I think definitely favors the owners uh, with how much money the postseason brings in. Absolutely. So, Ethan, what do you think? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that fans you know, kind of dry, obviously they're the drivers of interest in the game. Right. And if fans are fed up with 162 and they go down to 150, maybe like a 145 number or something like that. And, and all of a sudden the fans all get really excited about it and feel like it's a little better, but at the same time, you know, that's in the grand scheme of things, it's only, you know, if you go down to 150, it's only like a week and a half of baseball. Like that's not that much of a difference to the season, you know? So I think fans are just going to kind of be like, we can do with the extra week and a half of baseball. It's not a big deal, but I, I, I'm an advocate for 
why would you want the season to end? You know, people always yeah. complain about games being long. Sucks. Why do you want games to be long? Who cares if the Super Bowl runs four hours? Why do you want the Super Bowl to be over? You know what I mean? So yeah. I just feel like that 162 number, that's how it is. And it's a good, you know, it's. You don't have to watch them all. long. Yeah. You don't have to no, watch no, them all. No one's making you watch them but, all. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But. Um, but we know. watch them all though. Yeah, but like, exactly. We do you don't anyway. have to watch one forty. Yeah, watch. Take Mondays off. Take Mondays off. Whatever. But let's, gentlemen. We have two of the best Miami minds that I could find. So let's play general manager with the Miami Marlins. And first, I want to give you guys the sixty-second rundown of the twenty twenty-one season, and then we'll break straight into it. So the Miami Marlins open up the 2021 season with a 74 and a half win projection. They just came off a playoff berth in 2020, which was the first time they made the playoffs since they won the championship in 2003, but they underperformed in 2021. They finished fourth place in the NL East with a 67 and 95 record. The offense was the big issue here. This team finished with the second fewest runs scored and tied for 26th in WRC plus. Although the team offense wasn't very strong, we did see encouraging performances from rookie Jazz Chisholm and Jesus Sanchez. But the pitching is what is starting to get people really excited. They finished 11th in ERA and 8th in FIP as a staff behind young studs like Sandy Alcantara and NL rookie of the year runner-up Trevor Rogers. Pablo Lopez has also really established himself as a very strong three, even though he just threw over 100 innings. The Marlins bullpen was strong as well. They finished seventh in ERA and sixth in FIP behind the performances of Dylan Floro, Richard Blyer, and Anthony Bender. It's a steep climb to the playoffs, especially in a division that has the 2021 World Series champion Braves and the Mets adding Max Scherzer. But with a few big moves, we could see the Marlins enter the conversation in 2022. Two. So before we get into a lot of the moves um, that we think the Marlins should make after the lockout is finished, let's go through a lot of the moves that they've done so far. Maybe give it a grade, talk about it kind of briefly, and then we'll get into some roster construction and we'll play the role of Kim Nang. So, Aram, what is your favorite move that the Marlins have made this offseason so far? I'm so glad you asked me favorite and not least favorite because yeah, there's favorite. two, there's, two very, there's, there's a great move, there's a bad move, and there's a move in the middle. Uh, right. So thank you for the great one. I'll go with you know, Jacob Stallings. That that move is just, it was so good for the Marlins. And we, we had talked about, you know, Wilson Contreras or, or, you know, a bunch of other really more offensive minded catchers. Um, and, and yeah, I, I could definitely get behind the the offensive boost and maximizing you know the production any way possible. But what I'm really excited about with Stallings is you know, he's he's the best defensive catcher in baseball right now, and you know he's unbelievable framer. Didn't have a single pass ball. I mean, the kind of confidence that that's going to give guys like Jesus Guzardo, and then also the advantage that it gives to Sandy Alcantara when you're stealing more strikes from him at the bottom of the zone with those sinkers stealing strikes for Trevor Rogers. And remember, this is not just bringing in Stallings; it's taking what is the biggest dumpster fire of a catcher situation and bringing in Jacob Stallings, right? So you're taking the worst defensive catcher in baseball, arguably in Jorge Alfaro and bringing in Stallings. Then you're taking a situation where you you look at Stallings, 95 WRC plus people would be like, Oh, that's 5% below average, but catching position in baseball was 89 WRC plus. So he's actually about 5% above average. And then compounding that, the Marlins got a 63 WRC plus from their catching position last year. So think about that. They get a 32% bump essentially, or 30 plus percent bump to their catching position in offensive, just production. 
that's massive. I mean, this is going to be a boost that really transcends whatever you're going to see in the advanced statistics and anything like that, because it's from where they were to where they are. I think it's just going to be such a big difference. And they didn't give up that much. You know, I love Kyle Nicholas. I'm a big Kyle Nicholas fan. Just had him on the call up. He's a great prospect, but the Marlins have a million pitchers. Zach Thompson's a good back end, you know, big league starter, I think. But again, they don't need him. And Connor Scott is probably a fourth outfielder. So I I was, I was great. I was very happy with that move. Ethan, Uh, first of all, Aram, I like your restraint on talking about Connor Scott, um, because I know (laughs) you and I have talked about him a lot, but I like your restraint there. No, I, you know, I'm going to go before I get to what I think was my best move. I'll talk about Stallings for a second, which is I was one of those people advocate. I was the biggest advocate for Contreras um, because I my philosophy on baseball is score as many runs as possible. Who gives a shit about defense sometimes? But um, at the end of the day, Stallings will be the best defensive catcher. And like Aram said, you know, going from watching Sandy Leone and Jorge Alfaro and whoever else they were thrown out there at the plate to watching Jacob Stallings will still be a massive improvement, even if he's not the greatest offensive catcher that we've ever seen. Um, 95 weighted runs created plus is more than enough for what he's going to provide defensively. So I kind of was sour on the move at first because I really thought they should move for Contreras. Um, but at the end of the day, it is a really good move for them. But for me, it's not an addition that they made. That's the best move of the off season. It was locking up Sandy Alcantara. Absolutely. Um, this guy is a certified ace. I mean, he, what he did last year, he put himself as, you know, everybody's sexy pick as a dark horse to win Cy Young, win the Cy Young next year. Um, This guy's a force on the Hill, Uh, you know, went out there. He told us before the season, you know, I was in those spring training press conferences and he talked about 200 innings, 200 innings. I want to throw 200 innings. And he left no doubt about it. You know, he was going seven, eight, nine strong, uh, there were games he he lost a game where he lost a complete game because it was nothing, nothing. <laughs> and he let up a run with two outs in the eighth inning, oh, in, no. in the ninth inning. I mean, he oh, threw no. two thirds and lost. So, yeah, that was the kind of season it was for the Marlins this year. Um, but he was just uh, stunning. And I really think as much as they went in on Avaseo Garcia, they went in on Stallings, they went in on Wendell. They're probably going to do more business after the break you know, after the lockout, I think the biggest thing that says that, okay, like we're actually trying to win here for me, at least was locking up Sandy and saying that this is, this is going to be our guy for five, seven, you know, however many years of control they have him for now. And we're going to build our team around him because they've made it clear. They're going to build the team around pitching. And I think it's a good strategy because they've shown that they're just going to keep replenishing, you know, like, yes, trading Kyle Nicholas for a lot of organizations, that would be a loss. But they're just going to keep drafting. They're going to keep signing IFAs. They're going to keep and and they they've shown they can do it. I sh- nobody should doubt their ability to develop pitching because they're going to do it well. So their organizations can be based on pitching. This is one of the brightest young starters in the National League. Um, I think that was a huge vote of confidence. You know, the fans should feel very confident about what they did in terms of this was a big move to say we actually are trying to win here. Um, they have to make a lot of other moves before they win a lot of the fan base back over. I know that for sure. Um, and, you know, all reports are that they're still going to be busy following the lockout. Um, but I thought that was a really big first step. And after that, it was followed by trading for Stallings, signing Garcia, trading for Wendell, which I thought were three good additions. They could have made better ones, but I think they will in the future. Um, 
so I think it kind of kicked off their off season. And I think that was the thing that was at the top of their priority list. And then offense comes next. And so I think that was the best move they made so far. And I love Sandy. I mean, you guys, you guys have heard me blush about him. He was one of the four pitchers last year through over 200 innings. I mean, his fastball is electric. He's just got moxie. And I say it about guys specifically because when I see it, I see it. And he's one of those guys. We talked about it briefly, but another great move that the Marlins made non-tendering Lewis Brinson and trading <laughs> Jorge Alfaro. Yeah, I mean, that was moves. unbelievable. Those are moving on. From that was, I could not dumps. believe they pulled that off. And the way yeah. they pulled that off is because I don't know if they planted Cervelli and the Padres yeah. organization so that they could tell get him to convince whatever. I don't know how they pulled it off, even for, I think it was like a player to be named later. Um, yeah. But that I was, don't care what his again, name is. It was a good trade. Again, yeah. moving, <laughs> moving, right? Exactly. exactly. The Padres moving, got a really good on. left. Yeah, the Padres got a really good left fielder and shortstop yeah, exactly. and Jorge Alfaro. Exactly. Who knows? Super what, utility. Who knows, who knows what he, what kind of potential he is? But I mean, yeah, just moving on from those guys was enough, and and just even getting competency at the plate, uh, at the catcher position should provide a big boost to the offense because that eight spot. I mean. <laughs> Oof, it was ugly this year. It was ugly. And it made a lot of their games. They were not a very watchable product this year. It was really hard to watch them at times when Sandy wasn't pitching or when Trevor wasn't pitching. Um, it was really hard to watch. Yeah, but there are some positives and we just went over some positives, but again, there are some negatives and Aram, there has been one specific deal that you really, really don't like, like not even a little bit. What is that move? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 like probably a little bit too much of a complainer on the Avi Garcia deal just because four years, 53 million, like to most to, to you, Peter, like you'd probably be like, OK, that's fine. Whatever. Like it's the Yankees. It, I wouldn't care. Like, you don't care about 453, but 453 but four for the Marlins. Wild too. It's a like long time. Years. It's a long time. And Avi Garcia has never produced back to back seasons of a WRC plus above 100. He's only had two seasons with an OPS over 800. There's a lot of concerning metrics. The one thing that I will say that is encouraging is that he didn't benefit from Milwaukee as much as people would think. Like you look at the numbers and you like conventional thinking would be, oh, we got the boost from uh, what used to be Miller Park and now is American Family Field. In fact, though, if you look at the splits, they're consistent. If you look at baseball savants expected home runs, 26 of his 29 homers would have been gone at Marlins Park. That is encouraging. So maybe the Marlins really feel like he figured something out. The exit velos were the higher, the highest they've ever been. Uh, there's a lot of good things there to point towards him maybe being closer to what he was last year. I just think four years, 53, with what's still out there in the market, how much more money would have Nick Castellanos spent? And, and I'm not the most excited in the world about the idea of Nick Castellanos, but he's, he's more proven, I think, than Garcia. And, the and isn't he a Miami department. guy? Yeah, and he's, he's a South Florida guy. Yeah. Like how, how, and, and remember that the Marlins were a team that in 2019, when Avi Garcia signed for two years, 20 million, I believe, they were, they were priced out. They were they preferred to go 17 and a half million to Corey Dickerson. And all the reports were the Marlins thought Garcia was a bit too steep. So how was he a bit too steep there? I know he had a huge season, which kind of changed things. But did he really double more than double his value, almost triple his value from the last time you saw him in 2019? Like to me, it reeks of a little bit of desperation. And I agree the Marlins are desperate, but I, I don't know if this move made sense pre lockout. They could have waited post lockout. Garcia probably still would have been there. And Cassianos, Conforto, like you've got a lot of dudes out there, Schwarber, that I think are all in that ballpark. Cassianos probably closer to 75, 80, but 
still, I mean, I think they're all still in that realm and, and it was a little bit of a force, but no matter what makes the offense better. And that's the thing I'm trying to you know, keep my eyes on, right. Is the offense is better, but it really depends on what they do next. And I Ethan, that, another, yeah, Oh no, sorry. I was just going to say another move that they made. Um, and I want you again to touch on the Avisel mm-hmm. Garcia signing, but another move they made for more offense was acquiring Joey Wendell from the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for outfield prospect, Cameron Meisner. And, you know, on at least Marlon's Twitter, where I was just tracking it, it seemed like an okay move to me. But we've also talked about Cameron Meisner as a guy who has a lot of upside. And it feels like, you know, if he goes over to Tampa, they might turn him into Willie Mays or something like that. So, (laughs) So, yeah, that's so. So give me your thoughts on the Avisel Garcia. And then, of course, the Joey Wendell acquisition. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start with Avisel because I just don't want to forget what I was thinking about, which is that Aram mentioned it. Yes, it's a little bit of desperation, but the Marlins are desperate. And selfishly, as a person who watches a lot of, you know, covers the team, I want to see more offense and I can't watch that same kind of offense last year. And so personally, you know, I think that if they're going to overpay a little bit for offense, it's not the worst thing in the world um, because they, they need it so desperately, you know, um, and, and, I think that it also kind of signals to the fans, hey, we're willing to spend a little bit more than we might have to if this is going to make the offense better. Um, so I think it was a, a fairly good move. I think they could have gone better. Like I was, a, I'm a big Cassianos advocate. Who knows if they still go out and get Cassianos when the lockout is over? Um, but on the Wendell deal, yeah. I, you know, a lot of people like really freaked out about trading Meisner and trading yeah. Meisner to Tampa and specific, specifically. <laughs> you can't be afraid of trading guys to the race. Like you just can't like, it's so stupid. Like the Rays win every trade until they don't, you know what I mean? Like they didn't win the Jake Cronenworth trade. They traded great Jake Cronenworth. He's a great player. So they're, they're, they're going to trade good players. They're going to acquire players that you might not think are very good and turn them into good players, but they also might not. And you can't be afraid of trading with an organization if it's going to make your team better. And Wendell makes the team better. Now, you know, Meisner, Look, had a really good finish to last season. I'm pretty high on him, um, but a lot of question marks there. A lot of question marks. And they have outfield talent ahead of him. They're going to sign outfield talent, it looks like. That's where they really look to be upgrading. And the thing that Wendell does is in the same way that Stallings bumps Leon and whoever else was hit in, in the catcher position, but yeah, I just think Wendell makes their lineup a lot deeper uh, and and adds that depth that you're looking for. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a huge boost to them um, to have him filling up, filling in when Jazz has some bumps and bruises, when Rojas has some bumps and bruises, which happened a few times this year. You know, Rojas played through an injured finger uh, for a lot of the year because, you know, he's he's the man and he knew that if he was out not out there what was behind him basically and um so you know having wendell fill in i just think it 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 was a nice i I was it was unexpected uh totally i didn't expect it i was hoping that they would add infield depth i thought that a guy like josh harrison would be a really nice signing for them but this is basically like signing josh harrison um you know maybe harrison's a little bit better offensively but i i like this pickup a lot for them um because it just they need depth like they need that bottom of the roster to really improve it got gave them nothing last year like the bottom of the roster that gave them anything was brian de la cruz because he became the starting center fielder 
after the deadline. That was all they really got, like from a position, you know, below off the bench or anything. So I think that um, really, if you know, this is this is a good move. He he was so versatile uh, with the Rays. He's going to be very versatile off the bench for them, and uh, it's just making the team better and doing things to make the team better and having to pay a price, right? Like Meisner, that's a pretty high price, all things considered, but they're again, they're willing to pay that price that should encourage Marlins fans because I'm done with prospect hugging. I'm done with it. I know we love our prospects on the show. I've been doing it for too long and it's time to start making some moves. And and I like them being aggressive here. And I feel like that sentiment is pretty shared across Marlins fans. Arm, do you think the price for Wendell was too high or no, I think it's a really good question. Cause I think these two things can be mutually exclusive, which right. was it's weird that they decided to trade a bat, right? Like at the end of the day, I would way rather trade any arm uh, aside from the, the premier arms. But if we're talking like middling, but I think it was Meisner or like a Dax Fulton, right? Like, and at that point, Dax Fulton's 19 lefty really dynamic has more upside you're probably going to opt to keep Fulton, even though you have more arms judging by the way the Rays are, they love athletic outfielders. I'm guessing that for them, it was like, if you're not going to trade us one of your main guys, we want Meisner and there's not much else we want. Um, And I'm assuming they probably asked about Burdick and Burdick was a no go. So the Marlins didn't have that much wiggle room outside of there. And if they're like, you want to upgrade your, your infield, you want to get a guy that, that is as impactful as Wendell. Like you got to give something up and we don't really want any of your middle of the pack arms. We don't really want any of those guys. So, I'm assuming that's kind of how it went down. And unfortunately, sometimes you got to give to get, and that's why I'm okay. If you're upgrading the big league roster to me, there's no price. That's too ridiculous. Unless obviously it's the Mm. craziest lopsided trade ever. I would have preferred to go with an arm, but I can understand how things shake out. You you have to go, you know, with, with a bat there and Meisner is extremely volatile, wide range of outcomes. And, you know, we could see anything happening, but as Ethan said, to get the boost there, I think is huge. One other thing that I think is really interesting though, is I don't think the Marlins part with Cameron Meisner, unless the plan is for Joey Wendell to get 450 plus plate appearances. And I really do wonder what this means for Brian Anderson's long-term future. I do have a question as to whether this means it doesn't necessarily mean next year could be the year after that. I'm just saying, I I think that there is some questions there. Kim Ang has been very non-committal about Brian Anderson. We know that his camp has not been thrilled about that. That's been reported by Craig Mish and the Miami Herald and Barry Jackson. Like, I don't think anything's bad with their relationship, but I I don't think things are rosy and clear. And I don't even think they've discussed an extension, right? So I would venture to say that I I don't think Wendell is for sure not going to start there. Like, I think he could get a lot of run at third base and I think we could see him rotating all over, but I wouldn't be surprised. So I think it's going to be a really interesting thing, but um, one other thought on Wendell real quick guys, because I think you're going to find this really interesting. And this is in the piece that I'm put that would be out by the time you're listening to this on just baseball.com about what to look for uh, for the Marlins on the other side of the lockout. You guys remember what, what happened with Willie Adamas post uh, post trade about just how bad he was at trot and how he blew up yep. and how he just started raking, which again is kind of a trade where the Rays didn't really come out yeah. winners. Uh, Joey Wendell last year at Tropicana field, 215, 273, 315, two home runs, a 69 WRC plus Joey Wendell on the road, 311, 361, 519, nine home runs, a 138 WRC plus. We know that some players are really impacted by Tropicana Field. I mean, Willie Adamas was trying to 
to, to play with, with uh, like weird lenses that would like change the light for him. Joey Wendell can be even remotely close to that road. Joey Wendell, like that's, wow. that's a guy that needs to be playing a lot, like four days a week. I love that. The only problem is in Miami, at least, I mean, it's a, it's a graveyard. It's just such an enormous park. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's going from Tampa Bay to Milwaukee where it's incredibly easy to hit. He's going into another really tough pitchers park. <clears throat> so before, excuse me, you can just hear it in my voice. I'm still in Vegas, <laughs> Vegas mode. Vegas so if I'm just, is on you. Yeah. So if I'm just saying stupid shit, it's because I've averaged three hours of sleep for the last four nights. So bear with me here. Need a little bit of a cough. But I'm back and we're talking baseball again before we get in and start playing Kim Nang's role as the general manager and start making some additions to this team. I want to check the pulse of Mm. Kim Nang's checkbook because the Marlins have came out and said that they want to spend, but it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to be like, oh, yeah, the Marlins will give Carlos Correa three hundred million dollars because, you know, they could need an upgraded short, but they did extend Miguel Rojas two years, 10 million. So that's probably going to be the starting shortstop. Um, in 2022, but give me some kind of arm. Give me some expectations for this off season after the lockout. Like how much money do you think Kim Nang's going to spend? Yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing is it seems like they've got another Avi Garcia type deal in them, which is fascinating to me because I'd almost rather go big on one deal and then trade for another. Seems like they're kicking the tires on a Schwarber. They're kicking the tires on a Castellanos but are prepared to be priced out of those deals. So that kind of tells me they're looking 40, 50 million range. I'm more of the belief of making an impact trade for a bat and then maybe just spending a little extra on the bullpen. I'm not normally a big proponent of spending on the bullpen, but if you go trade for a bat, um, maybe you go give Kenley Jansen two years, $35 million. That's, that's palatable if you don't really spend elsewhere and I mean, Jansen's numbers were insane last year. We'll get to the bullpen, but Mm -hmm. I I think you're in a weird middling range right now. And it would only really make sense if they were ponying up for Marte, unless it's Schwarber or maybe Castellanos. I don't really see a reason for them to stretch themselves Mm -hmm. out because I think they're going to be really in that 40 to 60 million range. Uh, I don't see them going any further than that. You know, I had a lot of people that advocated I saw a lot of people advocating for signing a guy like Seager, Correa, you know, one of the bigger names on the market. That was never in play. That never should have really been in play. Like, I don't think that um, the Texas Rangers are going to suddenly be like a great team because they threw a bunch of money at Seager and Simeon. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I don't necessarily think the Tigers are going to be a great team because they're suddenly they have Javier Baez. You know what I mean? Like they're basically the type. I think they I can't, uh, they signed who, who did they Eduardo, sign? Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez. Thank you. Like I don't think that they're any better. They're they're basically the Tigers from last year with Javi Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez, right? So I don't you know if if the Marlins spend all their money in one place, they're basically the Marlins from last year with Seager or with Correa or with whoever, right? But they do have like Aram mentioned trade pieces. Um, And so I think that they, you know, I think they're going to make one more big free agent signing. Um, And, and I guess we'll get, I'll get, I'll save for later who I think it's going to be. Um, And, and, but they could make another trade. They totally could. And when I, when I, yeah, I think they will too. When I came into this off season, you know, my ideal off season for them was um, I think it was like trade for uh, 
Contreras sign Cassianos trade for or like trade for Reynolds. I think they can get two impact outfielders via trade or via free agency. They already got, well, I think, you know, Abiseo might not be the biggest name, but I think he's going to be an impact outfielder for them. And then they can still do it through trade or free agency. And I think this goes to Aram's point that he just made a little while ago. I've been making this point all day with the Rams, and this is a bit of a weird comparison, but I think it holds steady. There's no price that you shouldn't pay for upgrading a quarterback, right? The Rams just showed that with up with upgrading Matt Stafford. There's no price that the Marlins right now should not pay to significantly upgrade their offense. And whether that's via trade, going and getting a guy like Brian Reynolds, uh, Cattell Marte, you know, unless you're like literally auctioning off your future and trading like Yuri and Max and Salas and Watson all in one deal. Yeah then there is no price this team should not pay to really upgrade this offense. Because I do think that with this pitching staff, they're that close to being a playoff contender, maybe not necessarily a world series contender because they'll have to make a bunch of refinements down the roster. But if they just add a little bit more offense, they're knocking on the playoff door for sure. Um, And it's only going to take one or two more acquisitions after the deadline to get them there. And I was going to ask you guys, all right, so where are the positions of need? Where should we attack? And it's fairly obvious. We're attacking this offense. Um, They don't need to add a starting pitcher. They've got like (laughs) nine of them. To your point, I think they do need to add to the bullpen, but I don't think you need to go really crazy. I mean, dude, you just go through. I know in high leverage situations, you guys were actually texting me that. And that's that's why I'm having guys like you on, because you look at the bullpen, seventh in ERA, sixth and fifth, but in high leverage situations, they actually weren't that great. So I agree, add to the bullpen, but I don't think they have to go crazy, but we Can need I just to say this, some... Peter. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge believer in like the Kirby Yates deal that just he got just got or the Hendricks deal or whatever, like all these big money bullpen deals. But I was watching, you know, I was covering that Giants Dodgers series for us, right? And I'm watching them them pitch, and when it gets to the end of the game, and you face Trinan and Knable and Jansen, you have no fucking chance. Okay. And it's, it's a different game. It's, it was a different game from the game. The Marlins were playing because they, everybody out there in the playoffs was sending in guys that were throwing high heat with big breaking stuff. And I really liked Dylan Floro um, a lot. I don't, you know, he, he was pretty good for them in high leverage situations this year. He finished the year as the closer because they moved on from a lot of guys and he was pretty good, but they could not find a solid closing option all year long. It was a huge issue for them. And I just think that if you can get a guy that has some power stuff like a Jansen, um, you know, somebody that's going to come in to the back end and throw big time heat and a big breaking ball up there, I, again, I would I would pay for it. I think Jansen would be a great option for them. But also, they have a lot of guys in-house that I think they could move to the pen. Now, I'm not ready to move like a Meyer or anybody like that to the pen. But I think there's a couple guys that we'll talk about when we get to the bullpen that they can move that can really make them better at the back end of the bullpen because they do have power stuff in the system. So, Ethan, I have a question for you because I mentioned on the last podcast, it might have been last week, 
where and it wasn't an indictment on Max Meyer. It was more thinking that with the surplus of mm-hmm. seven, eight arms, all really solid guys, mm-hmm. even with Sixto Sanchez, I know he's still dealing with injuries, but he's at least going to get another shot in that rotation. And you should. Do you think it's palatable if Max Meyer were to come up because he's, he's got two pitches that are MLB ready already, like the fastball slider combination, filthy. Would it make sense to put him in a Michael Kopech type role yes. just to start really just get the wheels turning on Max mm-hmm. Meyer, see really what you got. And then you could kind of, you know, play it by ear. Let's say he never really develops a third pitch. And, I, and I'm not saying that that could happen, but it could happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe the changeup doesn't actually form into anything. And then he's maybe your closer, maybe Michael mm-hmm. Kobeck. But then let's say he does develop that changeup and then you can move him into the starting rotation. Does that make sense to put him in a, Kopech no. type bullpen role, not a seventh inning guy. Absolutely. And they haven't been inclined to do that necessarily. They really want their guys to come up as starters. Like they've tried with Jordan Holloway for so long and Jordan Holloway is, yeah, but he's not guy. that good, but he, <laughs> he's got power stuff, you know, and, no, and I think good. they should try and move him. Like, you know, he's one of the guys that they could easily flex back there, but if they're in playoff contention, like, you know, come, Come July, September, or August, September, you know, if they're in playoff contention or even if they get in, to get in, um, and, and Meyer's sitting there and you've got three or four guys locking down the rotation spots, you know, like if Eddie steps up, if Sixto comes back and, and, you know, finds form, um, which I know Aram is very, very not sure about, but um, you know, if they lock in, like, you know, they've got the three, as long as Pablo stays health, as long as they stay healthy, they've got the three. If they find a fourth guy for the playoffs, then now you're looking at Meyer could make a huge impact by coming up into the bullpen and there's no room for him in the rotation. Right. So I absolutely think like, I've thought about this before, He's I I I know they're going to try and make him a starter long term, and I think he can be a starter long term. But absolutely, if they're in playoff contention and they need a boost to the bullpen, there is no reason not to just give it a shot. If he has a good year in AAA this year, um, bring him up, put him into the pen. Now you've got a you know pretty big fastball and a wipeout slider. Um, you know maybe the best pitch in all of minor league baseball coming up, and I think that could be a very good. Yeah. I think that could be a very good option for them. For All sure. right, gentlemen, let's upgrade the offense. Let's do it. Is Brian Reynolds available arm? I know it's basically impossible because the pirates have, have come on and said, you're going to have to give up everything, but from talking with you both, you're both willing it. to kind of give up everything. You know, yeah. let's, let's finally trade the farm. We have this young starting rotation. That's just budding and starting pitching wins championships and if you can add an impact bat like a brian reynolds maybe an overpay would be worth it so arm brian reynolds what would a trade package look like if if you think they would even do it because we can also talk to tell Marte too because he actually is palatable in a trade yeah yeah Marte is someone i think who's attainable obviously reynolds the fact that that the pirates like replied back with Julio Rodriguez. And I think it's a little yeah. bit of posturing. I also yeah. think it's, it, it shows that they're listening to somewhat of a degree. The Marlins are going to have to 
blow them out of the water with an offer. But I think it's clear after the Jacob Stallings deal that the Marlins have ongoing, you know, conversations with the Pirates and, and the Marlins are a team that likes to trade with like the same teams always. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could, I could really envision, I would be cool. arms. Pirates, Not Pirates need arms. Than- more than anything and the Marlins have 60 of them so I mean it, it does I make would, sense out of any team if not the Mariners it's the Marlins I'd give them everything dude like I, I don't really care like I like and, and, and I feel like Marlins fans might be upset about that but but really at this point you're playing to 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 win in the next few years the Marlins rotation is set up to where it's going to be sustainable for a long time so what are we what are we hoarding pitching prospects for here when you know, Brian Reynolds could be one of the best center fielders in baseball very soon? Like he's on his way to being that he's controllable. He allows you, you go trade for Reynolds. You still got capital financially now to maybe go get a Jansen to go make other moves. You have financial flexibility moving forward. Like it's beyond just what you give up prospect wise. Like I, I see people wanting to hold on to Max Meyer and things like that, but like Max Meyer is, is really good. He dominated through double a with two dominant, not even two dominant one dominant pitch, which is a slider. His fastball actually got hit pretty well. I like the things we saw at the end of the year, but like there's a legitimate question of where's the third pitch. Let's see if it develops. If there's any, if on a prospect, you should be okay with trading him for an impact all-star. Brian Reynolds is an impact all-star. I would trade Meyer and Watson in two seconds. In two seconds. And I think it would take another piece from there. And Marlins fans, like, you can you can let me know I'm crazy. You can tweet at me later. Uh, like, that's fine. But what well, the way I look at it is Khalil Watson, right? Like, he's going to be up there in, what, three years? Four years? Probably closer to three and a half. And you're hoping that he sticks at shortstop, which is more likely that he doesn't than he does. You're hoping that the bat will continue to develop, which I think it should. You're hoping that he can overcome some of the, you know, makeup and character concerns that have really clouded his draft value and draft stock that had him slip to 16th in the draft. Like you're hoping for a lot of things there for Meyer. You're hoping that the changeup develops. You're hoping for a few other things with other prospects. I could play that same game with Brian Reynolds. You're hoping for nothing. You're hoping that he doesn't have a catastrophic injury, knock on wood that derails his career because he's already shown you what he can do. And he gets better every single year. Like that's the psychology. That's a place you need to get to as a fan. I think to, to, try to be able to digest these trades. I think the Marlins fans are, are, are traumatized a little bit because of the way the trades have gone the other way. Yeah. Um, but like, Yelich. yeah, yeah. But like, think about it that way. Think yeah. about it that way, right? Like we were excited to see the halls coming in, mm-hmm. right? the halls that were coming in for some of those impact players. And those halls went to shit. Great like point. It, you have to be okay with it. Sometimes at the end of the day, you're trading volatility for a blue chip stock. I'm trading you a bunch of penny stocks, Higher end penny stocks, maybe sometimes because some of these guys are really good. But if you're able to hold on to Yuri Perez and you're able to hold on to some of your other guys, like this system is still loaded with dudes. You trade Max Meyer away. You have a young rotation. That's guys that are just graduated from being prospects. You have still Dax Fulton. You have Yuri Perez. You have Zach McCambly. Like you still have tons of arms, still more arms than most minor league systems. I'm okay with it. And you also have a top six pick, right? They pick sixth in this upcoming draft. Like they're going to replenish. I would make any offer possible that the pirates are willing to hear. And that would transcend into some other targets too. Ethan, that's, that's oh, my thing. Wait, can I, yeah, go ahead. I, Sorry, I have an offer. I have an offer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so I want to throw yeah, yeah. it at you to kind of get the ball rolling again. Uh-huh. So I came up with something for Brian Reynolds. I'm trading away Khalil Watson. I'm trading away Max Meyer. I'm trading away Edward Cabrera. And I'm also giving them Jake Eater. Okay. So is that too much? I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch. I'm not touching the major league rotation right now. Personally, I'm not because 
if you also deplenish Remember, the minor leagues, like you're you're deplenishing the minor leagues, like if you're trading Meyer, for for me at least, you're doing it because you know you've got it locked down in the major leagues, right? But they should consider it. I mean, they should really think about it. And it's for this reason. We just talked about it. There should be no price. They really should be no price. They aren't willing to pay for a significant upgraded offense. And one fun fact here is that uh, I think Barry Jackson, it was either Barry or Craig Mishnah reported this, is that they could have had Brian Reynolds a long time ago because there was a deal in place with the Giants for Giancarlo Stanton that got vetoed because Stanton had a no trade clause that involved Brian Reynolds. So the Marlins have been after Brian Reynolds for a long time. And um, this is, I mean, this is the guy, like, I think they need an everyday center fielder. They need a locked guy. That's going to lock it down. This is the guy. He plays good defense out there and he's a great hitter. He is one of the more underrated hitters in the league. I think this off season after such a great year, he's finally getting all that attention from around the league. He is one of the great hitters in the league. And, he makes them instantly better. Like if there's one guy that they can trade for this offseason, I think that can make them a playoff contender by himself. It's Brian Reynolds with the other moves that they've made so far. Castellanos, they need some bullpen help. You know, this, they need some bull, whatever. If they trade for Brian Reynolds, I think they are on the door right there because I think he would bring, bring that much of an impact to the team. I mean, are now. Yeah, no, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, go, sorry, go ahead. My thing is, I do think they're going to get priced out because the Pirates asking price is insane. But I'll say this. If I'm the Marlins and they call with Meyer and Khalil Watson and a couple other guys down the line, I'll probably say yes. It would be hard, but I'd probably say yes. And um, I'm going to say I'll have a take here that you guys can put on the make a little Instagram uh, picture for. Love that. I'm trading Khalil Watson before I'm trading Jose Salas. If I'm the Marlins, <laughs> I am really, really high on Jose Salas because I've seen like what he did in uh, the complex league this year. That's what like the best hitters in minor league baseball do to the complex league. He absolutely tore it to shreds and he had a pretty nice start. Once he got to Jupiter in low a, he put up some pretty good numbers. All things considered he's like 18 or 19 years old. I people can laugh at me all they want. I'm really high on Salas. They need a guy. They don't really have a third baseman in the system. Um, they have some more athletic guys up the middle and they have jazz and Miggy Rowe for a few years up the middle there. I really think that they should keep focus on keeping Salas over keeping Watson because I'm really high on that guy. Um, but again, if, you know, if you're telling me trade both, Maybe I'm saying no, but if you're taking one of the two of them and Meyer or Eater, um, I would probably, you know, I, w- I would probably send it in because they have to, they have to make, if they can get that guy, they got to do it. So Arm, you, you cringed at that offer. It was I, a fat one. I it died was a fat one. It was a fat that, one. That package gets you almost every player, any player in baseball. That's that's and Brian, that that just goes to show like what I think Brian Reynolds is. Like he's one of the best outfielders in baseball. Like he's an impact bat immediately. And when I'm looking at those individual players, they're ranked very highly. But Khalil Watson fell in the draft. Remember, he was a top five guy who fell to the middle of the first round because there was reasons why. Edward Cabrera in his first stint in big leagues, we're not giving up on him. He's got too much of electric stuff. But he had a five point eight one ERA. 
That was just the reality of it. You said it yourself about Max Meyer. He has one pitch right now. I would say the fastball, you know, is still pretty good. But I mean, you said it yourself, one guy. And then Jake Eater, who has shown that he can he can pitch pretty well, good, solid lefty. But I don't think like when you go through them all individually and you be getting Brian Reynolds, is it that crazy to trade those yes. four? It is. Yes, okay. it's absolutely all right, awesome. All right, go off then. <laughs> Jake Eater was was one of the best pitchers in Double A this past year before going down with Tommy John. I mean, one seven seven ERA. He was the best southpaw out of the whole draft. Uh, if you redrafted it, he'd probably go top ten. Uh, I, I just Edward, like, yeah, he struggled. He walked nineteen guys in like twenty seven innings. That's something to watch for sure. Um, I think the Watson stuff's valid. I think if you go Meyer Watson, would you go Meyer Watson Eater, Ethan? Would you do that for um, for? Meyer Watson and Eater for Reynolds. Yeah. Marlins fans are freaking I, out right now. I, they would be freaking. I mean, I would talk myself into it eventually because, again, I'm sick and tired of prospect hugging. But, uh, you know, when you hear it, it's like, holy fuck. Like, but like, like would you that can't even trade your three done? top prospects. Do you know what I mean? Would the Pirates say yes? Yeah. That's the thing. Like they're asking for Julio Rodriguez and we're talking about an overpay here. I mean, are we going to do the deal or are we not? They, they, you know, they, they, they have to take it. Like if they don't take it, they're dumb. They they have to, because you're you're getting two probably frontline starters, uh, you know, two potential frontline starters and a guy with uh, in Watson who has huge upside. Um, I don't even know if those they, three get the deal done, though. But I, I don't even know either because they're being really stubborn about this. Yeah. And they have every right to be really stubborn, right? He's, he's got really good. four or five <laughs> years of control. He's really good. He's young. He's everything you can ask for. You know, Track record, Vandy guy. Like, that's why, that's why the, the Marlins, that's why the Marlins should be after him as much as they can. But, yeah, yeah I, you know, I, look, if they like, You guys that, have a top Mar- five fans system. are going to freak. They're going to freak. But again, this is what I'll say, Peter, is we talked about how they're RM talked about how they're just going to replenish. Right. They're, that's just what they're going to keep doing. They're just going to find another Meyer eater, whoever they trade. Exactly. They've shown the ability to do it. And, you know, it might sound ridiculous that they're just going to magically find another Max Meyer. No, they they turned a freaking. And Zach Thompson had a good year last year. Yuri you know Perez I mean? like is they, a top 40 prospect in baseball. Exactly. Yuri. Yuri's a stud. They have a lot. They're going to keep. They're just going to keep loading up, dude. They're not going to stop. They're going to do cash it. In the in. They're going to do it in the draft. They're going to do it. However they want to do it. They're going to develop pitching no matter what they do. Exactly. So, so how is that? Like, I agree. About here? I agree, but I, that doesn't mean like just, yeah. just go nuts. Like I, I won the lottery, so I'm going to pay a million dollars for a sandwich. But <laughs> if you take out one. Cabrera, no, Pete, if you take out Cabrera, I would probably do it because I, yeah. I'm not touching the, if, if I'm trading away the two top, pitchers i'm not you can't get me to touch the major league rotation because yeah. those are the guys that are supposed to come in for them you exactly. know what i mean i think that's but, totally fair but i, but I think you're i may be lower on edward cabrera than others yeah that be. that's that's and what i think that's is. where it was coming from for me that, had, for and sure. because you have nine of them like i think he's Gizardo could be great like the eliezer hernandez mm-hmm. there's so many guys yeah. who i thought okay if if edward came up and Sixto's still coming if edward came up and he was electric then i'm like all right well no but he was like kind of horrible, like straight up, not good. So, I'm not yeah, saying it, it, that it was, it's indicative of his future success, but like he just no, wasn't yeah. good. Can I tell you what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when Sandy first came up. Honestly. Yeah, he, he, was got, he got rocked around. 
he had all the, he had this big time stuff and he got knocked around. He wasn't really locating like he did in the minors. Um, you know, he wasn't demoted a ton him. of people out, but there were some, there were some good signs. Like there was one game where he shook a, a few, a bunch of guys out. There were still some good, some flashes. And you saw that with Sandy when he was young. I mean, Sandy, even his first year in Miami, he wasn't striking anybody out really. No. Um, and, and, and you're right, Aram. the first year he was in the Marlins system, he went up from new Orleans. They sent him back down at the end of the year. Then the next year he finally stuck for the whole year. Right. He was it looking was more okay like Jose year. Urania than he yeah. was current Sandy. Yeah. But he, he just kind of like hung around and then something clicked. I think with Cabrera, it might be that same kind of thing. I'm, I'm really high on that guy. You know, he, he, he's got it. He's got, here's, here's my final offer. Here's my final offer. Max Meyer. I'm going to go Max Meyer, Khalil and Eliezer. Send it in. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. But the thing is, what would you rather have Jake Eater or Eliezer Hernandez? Because I don't know if they would take. Yeah, I don't think they either. would. Either. So you're even lowering the right. trade now, or I'm like, I but don't. If you're think the Marlins, do if it. you're the Marlins, I'm looking for ways to move Eliezer immediately. I was begging for that, dude. Yeah, I was begging for that on the Locked On Marlins podcast. Like mm-hmm. it, it was a long time ago. I was trying before last season. I was trying to trade him, but w- where else could you go? Like you could go get Cattell, and and that's. That's a lesser wonderful. of the package talk, gets it done. Let's talk about Cattell Marte then, because you know it's gonna it's gonna take the entire farm, and maybe we're not totally comfortable with that. But if the Marlins could actually have a great offseason, let's say they trade for Cattell Marte, you sign Nick Castellanos and you sign Kenley Jansen, we're talking about the Miami Marlins, mm-hmm. right? 100%. Because the Phillies need to add, and they haven't, you know. I mean, their roster looks, you know, kind of grim right now. We think the Mets will be better, but sometimes the Mets will be the Mets. The Braves, if they don't sign Freddie Freeman, I mean, they're still going to be really good. But, you know, there's there's some issues there. I mean, I still think the Braves are the prohibitive favorite in this division. I still love the Braves roster. I still think they're going to sign Freddie Freeman. But the reality of the fact is if they don't, that's they're losing their best player besides Ronald Acuna Jr. So what would a trade for Cattell Marte look like, Arm? And Go ahead, Arm. Sorry, Arm hates when I ask because. He's... <laughs> yeah, God, I I really it's funny because I've always been more open to trading Meyer than I think the the average Marlins fan is. Me too. Um, Me and too. I've let you that gotta I, give to get, gotta give to get. I would I would deal Meyer in, in a situation here for Marte. I, I I think you know I would feel pretty confident that you can extend Marte too. Should he come? I know he comes with control, but you could probably extend him beyond that. Uh, I think you could give up something similar to the package, but not quite as much. I think you could hold on to Watson if you're giving up a Meyer. I, I think you only have to give up one front, front, front end guy, Agreed. but you could do like a, a Meyer, a Hernandez and an eater or like a Meyer Hernandez and somebody else. And I think he gets it done because he doesn't have as much control. He's a little bit of a guy that's been banged up through the years. I think that impacts his, his value a tad. Uh, he doesn't quite have that, prowess defensively in center field, which does concern me a little bit. Uh, but as I laid out in the article too, that, that you can check out is that 
I think the Marlins have made it clear that they don't really care about the outfield defense and they're going to do whatever it takes to upgrade the offense, um, which I'm okay with. You upgraded defensively with Joey Wendell in the fold. You upgraded at catcher. Uh, you still have Rojas at short. Jazz Chisholm is only going to be better at second base. I, the defense is, is maybe a little bit of a liability, but I'm cool with it if you're upgrading offensively. So maybe that is splitting time in center field between uh, Marte and Garcia and just, just kind of doing a little bit of an outfield rotation out there. But I don't know if I would give up for Marte because of the control compared to some other guys. I probably wouldn't give up much more than like a Meyer and, and Eliezer mm-hmm. and then one other of those Eater types or Fulton types. What about this field. one? Does this get it done? Max Meyer and Sixto Sanchez for for Cato Marte. Does that get it done? Peter, you're getting dangerous here, man. Marlins fans are going to be after your good. Day after Send you. it all to do me. Not you, you come from I'm, Max. I'm trying to win now, Miami. What? Do you not want to win now? For, do not come for Max Meyer. No, listen, dude. I'll tell you this. I love Cato Marte. Like do. he's one of my favorite players across the league. And I said it earlier. Score a bunch of runs. Who gives a shit about defense, right? Throw him in center field. He's done it. He's been serviceable. I mean, he's not great, but fuck it. Do it. You need to score runs. And 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 the, and pit, your, your, your uh, starters are going to be striking everybody out anyway, right? So who cares? So ground balls. Think, yeah, and, and ground balls. And you got pretty good infield defense too. You know what I mean? So I just think go, go especially with Sandy. I mean, Sandy, you know, the ball's on the ground the whole game. But I just think that this is like, I I personally think that if they go for a trade in center field, they're going to get priced out on Reynolds and they're going to go for Marte. I I, I think that's kind of what's going to happen. And I would love to see Cattell Marte in in a Marlins uniform. Uh, I think he would provide a huge impact for them. I mean, his numbers are so freaking good, man. You look at his numbers like, you know, that he had 149 way to run straight plus in 2019. That was the year he was an all star 329 down year in 2020, but still had 94 way to run straight plus throw 2020 out the window anyway. And he had 139 way to run straight plus. He only played 90 games last year and he had a 909 OPS. The dude just hits. And um, I, I think he would fit really well oh into, into that locker room, into that lineup. And just bring him play with some flair and Miami would fall in love with this guy. And they messed up with, they got it wrong with one Marte, right? Like they should have paid that guy. If they made the offer, they made him in free agency at the trade deadline. He's still in, in a Marlin uniform. Like he should be, they got it wrong with Mar- one Marte. If they have to, if they don't go for Reynolds, they should not get it wrong with this Marte. I really think that this should be a strong option for them and they should really, really look into trading for Cattell Marte. I totally agree. And I've warmed up to him more the more I realized that the Marlins, well, once I heard the Marlins are kicking the tires on Avi Garcia in center field, I was like, okay, screw it. Just, just throw, <laughs> throw Cattell out there, right? Like, okay. If, if we don't care that much about defense, throw Garcia or, or throw Marte out there. And, and what I will say too, is I just think, you know, that there's more of an importance on like a, a fourth outfielder defensively, Brian, you know, Brian De La Cruz, something like that uh, to, to be able to make strides out there defensively. The D backs don't need Marte. He's not going to play the outfield for them because they've got Alec Thomas coming up center fielder. They got Corbin Carroll coming up center fielder. So both those guys are going to play really good outfield. So Marte would be moving to second. If you're a team that's still far from contending and could cash in and get impact impacts prospects for your second mm-hmm. baseman, why the hell wouldn't you trade him? The Marlins again, have that history of trading with the D backs. They've done it on multiple occasions. 
I think this makes the most sense. You don't have to make the trades that we presented that would make Marlins fans vomit for Brian Reynolds. You might be able to even pull off a deal without Jake or without Max Meyer. If you give up more pieces, right? Like you could go Dax Fulton, Jake Eater, and a few other guys. And the D-backs may prefer a, a package of five solid prospects or four really solid prospects. And the Marlins might be able to pull that off. I know they prefer not to trade any of their main, main prospects. So if you can pull off a deal where you're trading from, you know, a package around Dax Fulton, Jake Eater, and then some other impact prospects. I think you could pull that off and the D backs need arms. They need arms. They need to stockpile them. They've not done well with arms in recent history. And I think that makes the most sense. He's not that expensive and the Marlins can, can then go make some other moves. That guy at the top of your lineup just changes everything. He changes everything. So talking about trade partner, you know, the D-backs have to be happy with how their last deal with the Marlins went down in terms of acquiring a starter from them, right? Like everybody's really high on Zach Gallon. He's going to be really solid. Um, and, you know, with, we, we talked about how they traded Meisner earlier, right? And I think they did that because they're going to upgrade at the major league level in the outfield. So maybe there's a couple guys they're willing to cut from that outfield, uh, you know, totem pole. Maybe they're willing to move on from a Burdick or a Blade and they throw one of those guys and the D-backs think that they can really get them right in their organization. And if, if you do that again, now you're adding another piece of value, a big value. You might not have to give up Max Meyer. You might be able to move a Fulton and a Blade and somebody on down the line. You know, um, I think that this could they could make this deal for a lot cheaper than they could make Brian Reynolds. And I'm not sure how big the drop off in impact is going to be, except that Reynolds is younger. And I think he has, he has more, more control. control. Yeah. So okay. I think it, it, are you willing, how, you know, how much value, how much do you value that control to the point that if Reynolds costs too much, you just drop down, you give up probably a lot less to get Marte who is on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not sure the offensive impact is going to be much, if any, different. Dude hits absolute piss missile. So I'm Mike yeah, Hayes, the GM of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Armin Ethan. I call you guys up, and and now I'm you guys are a collective mind of Kim Nang, and I say I will give you Cattell Marte, and I want Max Meyer and Sixto Sanchez. Max Meyer has one pitch right now. Sixto Sanchez has been dealing with injury after injury, and he's still what is he? Is he throwing from 120 feet yet? No. So, and that's all I want. I want those two pitchers. Is that so asinine for an impact bat like Cattell Marte? That shouldn't make Marlins fans so mad. Don't you want offense? Don't you want an electric Cattell Marte who I'm hearing stories from guys who have hit in the cages with him that he goes in shirtless without warming up and hits 110 mile an hour rockets the other way without even trying. Like, don't you want that for two guys that max like they're not just these ultimate pitchers that you just have Max Byron six. and that's like, Oh, that's just Trevor Rogers and Sandy sitting there right now. It mm-hmm. might not be, that could actually be, you know, Max Meyer might be a bullpen guy and maybe six. never develops. And that's an absolute steal. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I made the it. offer. I, I would do it. And, and I'm, I'm personally like, I'm still holding out a ton of hope for six. because I saw him pitch in person. Uh, I saw him pitch, you know, 
during the pandemic, I was locked into all of his starts. Have, his have you seen him? Have you seen him work out in person? Why doesn't That's he strike out? Concern. Guy. That's a. Big have you seen concern, him train you know? in person? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Exercise. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you've seen him Instagram in person. I'm, I've seen him Instagram, Miss. Uh, uh, what is he? Bobo. I, I Bobo. Love, I love <laughs> Mr. Bobo. But you know, I, I'm. I still like. I'm holding out that hope on Sixto because I saw how electric that stuff is. But if you're telling me I can get Cattell Marte and it's going to cost Sixto and Meyer, and I know that I've still got Eddie Cabrera, Jake Eater, Yuri Perez, Zach McCambly. Dax and Fulton. more behind Dax Fulton and more yeah. behind them because there's guys that we haven't even mentioned in this system that deal on a nightly basis in places like Jupiter and uh, Beloit and Jacksonville. There are guys that are dealing that we don't even talk about and then they're going to draft and they're going to sign in free agency. Exactly. Like they are going to just, I keep saying it, but they are just going to keep replenishing these arms. And at that point, Trading a Sixo Santos, trading a Max Meyer, they'll find one of those again. George Soriano. My yeah, goal George here Soriano is, is a guy we don't talk about. Like there are plenty of guys down there that are absolutely saucing minor league hitting. And my my goal here is not to just destroy this Marlins farm system. I'm trading away some guys that I personally, it's not that I don't believe in Max Meyer. I do believe in Max Meyer. And I feel like he's that blue chip prospect that you would trade it for something. But in those other trades, like I'm looking to kind of trade from the biggest area of strength, like maybe in major league baseball, when we're talking about the major league roster and the minor league roster, when it comes to pitching, there are a few organizations that have what Miami has. So use that to then upgrade on the offense. So let's, let's, let's review as we, as we wrap up here. So we, we traded for Cattell Marte because Brian Reynolds over there in Pittsburgh was just a little bit too expensive. We signed Kenley Jansen to a two or a three year deal. I think that's palatable. He's one of the best, you know, he was one of the best closers in baseball. If you don't lock him into like a four year, 54 million, you get him at two or three years. I'm good with that. Who's arm. Who's the one free agent that they also need to get to be back in playoff contention. Um, Like outside who we mentioned. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, we've mentioned Nick Castellanos, like who's the one guy that's available on the free agency market Look, that you think we, we need to add to Miami. Like I think conventionally fans might think it's nuts, but, but, to me, Kenley Jansen is, is that guy like that guy. Kenley Jansen is that guy because they, the, the Marlins bullpen, like you mentioned, Peter it is good on a macro scale, right? Yes. Sixth, seventh inning they're, they're They've got good guys. They went out and got Lewis head too from the Rays, who I, I like, like they've got really good middle, middle inning guys. If you look at Jordan hallway, by the way, another guy that I actually thinks going to be good out of their bullpen, not a good starter at all, uh, but was really good out of the bullpen. I think he had a 0.75 ERA in relief and then a 15 ERA out of the bullpen. So you have the nuts and bolts. You might only need one experienced vet at the back end and Jansen's velo up two miles an hour across the board. You look at a savant page. It looks like almost Juan Soto esque in terms of all how high up he is in every department. Like he's back to your deal. You're good. You have the experience. You have a winner. You have a guy that's, that's been around for a while. I think people are quick to be like, no, 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 not Kenley. After what happened a few years ago, he, he got his himself back here. Uh, and again, it's not a five-year deal. You need the vet. You need the guy that can anchor the back end of the uh, bullpen. And, and he makes the most sense to me with the, with the closer prowess uh, to, to help take this team and, and get some winning culture, some experience and bets there might not be the most impact of impact moves, but I think it will 
kind of transcend the stat lines and transcend the box score and the war, if you will. Ethan, who's the number one free agent on your wish list? Uh, if if they don't make the trades, I'm uh, I'm signing Castellanos. If I no, let's them. say let's say oh, we uh, traded for Ketel Marte, trades? and yeah. then we also signed Kenley Jansen. Who's the next? Who do we need to just Ooh. put the little cherry on top? Ooh, um, I, I I'm looking at some of these relievers like Tapera. Tapera, I, I like Adovino with that slider. I know, like he kind of struggled last year. You don't if I want him correctly. Really. <laughs> um, There's better know, guys like chafing. Yeah, don't get there's some, you know, even like there there are some good bullpen arms. I would really attack this bullpen. I'm sorry, I'm I have like baseball has they they've been dead to me for a long time. So I'm like trying to catch up on who is available on the the bullpen market, but. I mean, yeah, like Jansen would be the guy um, personally. Uh, yeah, know, I think the answer is just another bullpen arm. You know who's nobody's talking about that's out there is freaking Joe Kelly, who's pumping one or two. You know, Max. like there are there's power stuff out there to be had. Um, I like Archie Bradley still. Even, you know, Brad Han as a reclamation project. You can probably get him pretty cheap after he signed for big money last year and had a bad year. Andrew Miller, can he find that fastball again? Like there are a lot of, there are that slider again. There's a lot of good, like big names. I'm really actually pretty impressed with this. No, there's a lot right now. So I think there's a lot of big names on the bullpen market right now that I think the Marlins should go out and get. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't even be opposed. Like if they still trade for one of these center fielders, I'm trying to think, I guess you really want, you do want Jesus Sanchez to play every day. So I guess maybe you don't want, like you don't want, sorry, is it, is that getting picked up? It's not right. No, you're good. Okay. So maybe you don't want, uh, you know, to sign another outfielder and then run like with either Reynolds or Cattell or whoever it is, or, uh, you know, and then Abasayol and then like Schwarber, let's say, because you want Jesus Sanchez to play every day. But I really think that like if they have to settle, if they can't get anything done in the trade market and they have to settle for Schwarber, I don't really think that's settling necessarily. I think that would be a really, really good option for them. And the DH is in play this year. Thank you. Totally forgot about that. But I think they really want to run with Garrett Cooper. I love Coop. I'm not going to say it on Twitter because he follows me on Twitter. So I'm not going to say that I have huge concerns about him staying healthy and I'll believe it when I see it, but I'll believe it when I see it with Garrett Cooper, that he's going to stay healthy, even at uh, the DH position, that guy just finds ways to get hurt. I mean, he hurt himself running the bases last year, you know, and he was out for the season. That's how he hurt himself. He ran into a guy, right? So I, I'm I'm not sold that that's going to be 162 games of Garrett Cooper, but they do have Lewin Diaz that can DH. They do have Aguilar that can DH. They're going to mix those guys around at first base. This, like you asked me, how is the overall look earlier, Peter? I think it looks pretty good for the Marlins. If they make a big, they have to make another big move on offense for sure. And then they do need to get better at the bull at, at the back end. And I think, like I said, I would love to see them move Jordan Holloway to the pen. He was really good when he was in the pen last year and he's got big power stuff. He's got a big fastball and a nice breaking ball that he can mix with it. I would put him in the pen and I would move a couple other guys um, to back back there to get some value out of the back end of the bullpen, put some power stuff back there because 
they can't keep running out there with bass and his 93 mile an hour fastball or whatever he's throwing up there. They need gas at the back end because everybody else has it and everybody they're playing a different game than everybody else in the bullpen when they're throwing guys that don't have power stuff out there. So I Bender is a good option. He struggled in closing. I really like Zach pop. I think with another year of experience under his belt, he was a guy they traded for in the rule five draft. I would, I loved him. He showed a lot of good signs last year with another year. I think he can develop into a pretty solid bullpen arm. He had some good stretches. They had a lot of guys that had good stretches. They didn't have a lot of guys that had good years. Flora was probably the only guy I could, and Blyer was really great. You that you could say had good years. So they need guys that are going to have be good and consistent out of the pen. So I think signing Kelly and Jansen would be a tremendous option for them. So another, and before we wrap up this, the last thing I want to just throw at you guys, another free agency signing that I thought, you know, would make a lot of sense for Miami is signing Jock Peterson. You know, you can put him in the outfield, you can put him at DH and he's just got some thump and he's got some charisma. Miami, I just feel like he could be a really good player um, for the Miami Marlins. So if we're looking at this team, what we did, we traded for Ketel Marte, we signed Kenley Jansen, maybe we signed another reliever as well, maybe a Ryan Tapera, depends on how much that would cost. And I think that, the Marlins should sign Jock Peterson and we call it a day. I think that's a pretty successful team. Aram, with that team, how are we feeling? I, I, dude, I'd be really happy with that. I'd be really happy with that. I mean, th- this would be a team that not like whatever happens, happens. They're flirting with 80 plus wins and they're fun to watch. That's the most important thing, right? Like there's hope and there's a reason to watch. And I can't emphasize enough, like trading prospects away can make the team at the big league level more fun to watch, which will give them, you know, hopefully a better turnout, better TV ratings, more money, better, just better overall vibe through the, through the entire organization. You got to give to get. And I want to close out with just, let me give you the 2019 top 10 right-handed pitchers in, in, in minor league baseball. Number one was Forrest Whitley. Number two was Casey Mize. Number three was Michael Kopik. Number four was Mitch Keller. Number five, Dylan Cease. Mike Soroka, Sixto Sanchez, Brent Honeywell, Kyle Wright, Hunter Green, right? Some guys that still have some upside, some good pitchers, a little bit of everything, right? These are the top 10. These are the top, top 10. And for for the most part, you would go back and trade any of those guys for some of the guys we were talking about, right? I mean, you would. That's kind of my point here is even if for the guys that end up working out, like if Meyer ends up being a Copic, no one's calling him a bust, but I trade that in two seconds for the guys we talked about. It's not a slight of Meyer. It's more so just play the percentages. If you're playing the percentages, which the Marlins need to do, this is the time that you finally have the ability to cash in. Instead of being the team that's selling, you get to be the team that is buying, and the buyers mm-hmm. almost always win in the prospect mm-hmm. world. It's the percentages. You got to play it. I'm sorry, Marlins fans. Sometimes it hurts a little bit, but I promise there'll be a new darling prospect that you'll hold on to. Heck, that's already Yuri Perez. Uh, let's focus on him. Yeah. And see, that's why I was like, when these trades were asking, I'm like, but are they like you're, they might be just, it's hard to, you know, contextualize in your own head. You're like, wow, that's just like a lot of potential, really strong arms, but I'll say it again. You're trading from the, one of the biggest strengths in Mm -hmm. all of major league baseball from the top of the major leagues in San Alcantara, all the way down to rookie ball. It's, it's Mm -hmm. some of the best pitching that we have in our sport 
but we just played general manager with the Miami Marlins. And I think we did a really good job. So go check out big hall talk. Ethan's podcast. On there the, it is. I didn't have to do it. Well. I almost forgot to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, I just want to say, I just want to say one more thing uh, to just kind of, of like, course, to wrap up. How I would feel. Um, I think the Marlins are at like a B minus B right now with how they've done this off season. Like I think the Sandy thing was huge. Stallings was big. Garcia's a pretty good move. Wendell's a pretty good move. They can make this an A plus offseason if they go out and get a guy like Reynolds, like Marte, even like Schwarber Castellanos, right? They can really, really fucking hit a home run this this offseason if they go make one more big time move and then some other littler moves. Like I would like to see them get another depth infielder so that they don't have to play Isan Diaz or Devin Marrero or Joe Panic because they still might have to. Their bench looks strong, though. Diaz, Cooper, Aguilar, figure it out on a, on one day. Um, Brian De La Cruz, I'm really high on. Wendell, if they can get... I, I would like to see them pick up one more bat, like depth bat. I think Harrison's still out there. Um, there's no way they reunite with VR. I highly, highly <laughs> doubt that. But I would love to see them do it, honestly. I, I'm um, good. Yeah, I know you're good. He is a... He, he makes some boneheaded plays, but I, I, I really think that there is a, another out uh, infield bat to be had. I would love, still love to see that even though they traded Wendell, I would love to see them sign Josh Harrison. Still, they have to get better from top to bottom. They can't just focus on the top. They have to focus on the bottom of the roster as well, because it was so bad down there. That was a seller and they really have to focus on getting better top to bottom, improving the whole thing. They're close, man. They're really, really close. They need one or two more big impact moves. And I'm not saying they're a World Series contender, but they're certainly in the playoff mix. And they just need they just need to be fun next year. If they're going to build a tour, you know, this is going to be like this next wave is going to be like a two or three year plan with Garcia to, to like get up to World Series level. Right. So they've had the, the beginning of the rebuild. Now they're kind of in this middle and they're trying to get out of this purgatory that they're kind of stuck in. Right. If they play some fun baseball this year, like Arm said, they flirt with 80 games, 85 wins, whatever it is. That will be huge for them as an organization to build some back up some goodwill with the fan base, which is a huge thing they still need to do. It's year four or five or whatever it is of this rebuild. They still have to build a lot of goodwill with this fan base because it was torn down by the last regime. So they can have a huge offseason this year, and, and it can be a really big home run if they make a couple moves that we've talked about today. Well, we just did 70 minutes on the Marlins, but if you're itching for more, go check out Arm's article on JustBaseball.com. And if you think that I traded away all of your prospects and you want to hurt me, you want to send me some messages, you're oh, saying, you're gonna... oh, what an idiot. My Twitter is at PeterApple23. <laughs> I will battle you all to the death. What I'm trying to do is just make this big league roster better because I see the pitching. I see the potential. What you guys are saying, there is areas of improvement. They did. I know it was a COVID short in 2020, but they did make the playoffs. This team has some sparks. Judge Chisholm is going to be better. I'm expecting another breakout from Jesus Sanchez. Like there are... There are areas that I see where I'm very excited, but if they don't do the trades and if they aren't willing to get rid of any of these arms, then we'll just be stuck in a ever longed purgatory. So this Ethan, is like a 70, this is like, yeah, sorry. This is like a 75 win team right now. They need to be an 80 win, 80, 85 win team come 
April 1st or whatever, whenever opening day, maybe. Well, I thought this was a great conversation. Go check out Ethan and Aram out on Twitter. Anything else before we, uh, before we leave here, folks. Thanks for having me. First appearance on the JB show. Thanks, thanks so me. much, Ethan. We had a great time. Arm, thanks again. Got your brain moving on some trades. I know it's tough, but hey, we're trying to make this team a World Series contender. But with that said, thank you, everybody. Thank you.